Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are continuing on our sermon series through Paul's letter to the Colossians. And I don't know if you've picked this up yet in the first couple of sermons that we've done. But in both cases, you have Paul in a certain posture as he's writing to the Colossians. And that posture continues in this week's section of Scripture that we're reading. The posture is the posture of prayer. The first week we talked about grace and peace. That Paul is offering them a blessing from the Lord. If you will, praying for them. And then you get to last week where you talked about prayer with thanksgiving. That he's thanking God for them and what they're doing in prayer. And then we come to this week. And Paul writes that we have not stopped. We've not ceased praying for you. So over and over again, what you see is that Paul is in this posture of prayer. And if you look at the early church, you see the same thing. In Acts chapter 1, when Jesus is leaving, he says, wait. And as they waited, they gathered together and they prayed. And then you get to Acts chapter 2, and they were praying together in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then you get to Acts chapter 2 later on in the chapter, and they continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in the prayers. And then you get to Acts chapter 4, and Peter and John are in prison, and they're praying for them, and they get out, and then they gather together, and once again they gather for prayer, and they're thanking the Lord, and it said actually the building shook because of the power of God coming on them. And then you get to Acts chapter 6, well, I'm not going to keep doing this, by the way. But you get to Acts chapter 6, and Acts chapter 6 is when the apostles are deciding what to do because the church is growing and the work is becoming too much for them. And so they said, we want to concentrate our ministry on teaching and preaching and prayer. And then the deacons carry out the rest of the ministry. So you see the early church, and if you see other of Paul's letters... Constantly this focus on prayer. The prayer surrounded everything they did. And that's why there was such power. And God was moving in the early church. And there was this mindset of learning what it meant to pray without ceasing. Paul writes of it here. Paul writes of it again to the Thessalonians. He says, rejoice always Pray constantly and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Pray constantly. Pray continually. People did it individually. People did it corporately. And the church was surrounded by prayer and therefore surrounded by the power of God. Because if you look and saw what the early church was about. The Lord was moving. They were seeking to walk with Him, 
They were seeking to stay connected to him constantly. Do we understand that's really what the Christian faith is about? That God wants that ongoing connection of his people with him. That constant, if you will, walking with him. Because that's what the apostles experienced. What Jesus was talking about, what Paul was writing about, that's what the apostles lived when they walked with Jesus. Day in, day out, everything they did, every meal they had was with Jesus. So they were connected with him. And there was an ongoing dialogue. And he taught them. And he prayed with them and he prayed for them. And that was the life. And they came to an understanding, this is what life is meant to be in the Lord. And then when he was leaving, he said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit so that you can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit present with you and in you. And we as Christians have that that same access. That we're to constantly be connected to the Lord. To live our lives as worthy lives. With Him. Walking with Him by the Spirit. Being in His Word so He can speak to us. Being in prayer so this, there can be this con- constant exchange in our relationship with Him. An ongoing relationship. You know, what you saw in this reading, a word that was used two times in two different ways. The word fully and the word filled. That's what the Christian life is meant to be. That when we walk with Christ and we walk filled with the Spirit, that we are able to live this worthy life. You know, I don't know how many of you have seen these commercials uh, for AT&T, where this guy is interviewing these little kids. You seen those commercials? Meredith in particular, but Meredith and I both love those commercials. And it's really interesting because, you know, he's always sitting at these little people table, right, on little chairs. And he always asks them questions. And he asks them questions like, what's better, better or worse? What's better, more or less, right? And what do the kids always say? Of course, the superlative, better, more. And really, in many ways... That's our natural response, isn't it? If someone were to came, come up to you and say, do you want more or less? Well, I want more. Don't you want more? I want more. Well, it depends on what it is. Right? I mean, as we become adults, yeah, we want the less calories most of the time. Not all the time, but more or less. What do you want? More or less. But the kids naturally respond more. Now, isn't it interesting Do we want more of the Spirit or less? Now, naturally, we would say more. That, of course, we want to be filled with the Spirit. We would want the more. And by the way, I have AT&T. It's not always that great. But when you talk about the Holy Spirit, we have more. We have more power. We have more grace. 
We have more love. We have more joy. We have more peace. And yet at the same time, much of what we do in life is self-defeating when it comes to having that more. We don't take the steps that we need to take to have that more. In theory, it's a great idea. We would love to see it in reality in our lives. But we don't often take the steps to have that more in our lives. We sacrifice prayer time in the morning for other things. Because we think we're going to get more out of life if we get a jump on the day, if we do those things, or if we stay in bed longer, you know, more sleep, we're going to do better. When in fact, what the Lord tries to tell us is that when we spend time with Him, when we spend more time with Him, when we learn what it means to be constantly in our minds, in our hearts, with Him, in His Word, in prayer, that we live our lives as though He is with us 24-7. And we don't neglect that relationship ever. That's the more. That we're so aware of His Word in our lives, it's as if His Word lives in us. You know, there's a collect that we read in November. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That the Word lives in us. That the Spirit lives in us. That we are constantly connected to the Lord. And we have the strength of that relationship. You know, without prayer, oftentimes we go through the, the day running on low or empty. Do you realize that? If you've ever spent time in prayer, we are really seeking to be filled with the Lord and His Word and the knowledge of Him and live for Him and be filled with His Spirit every day. And when we don't, how we tend to rely on our own strength and how we run out. We don't have enough love in us to love the way we need to love. We don't have the grace in us in order to be graceful and gracious in all situations. We don't have the self-will to resist temptation when it comes along. Because we run out. And we need to be filled every day. We need to live in Him every day. And that's why every morning... We need to be filled. And every day, ask the Lord, make us conscious of your presence every day. You know, without this strength, without this power, we can't hope to live worthy lives. And that's what Paul is challenging the Colossians to do, to live this worthy life. So the first thing he says as he's praying for them, unceasing in prayer, is that you would have all knowledge. All knowledge. Now, if you were to poll people today as to one of the problems in society, one of the solutions that you would come up with is we need 
a better system of education. You hear it all the time. If we had better schools and more people were able to go to college, we would have less, less problems. And knowledge is a good thing. But it really depends on what kind of knowledge and what you do with it, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it's amazing to me when I hear these guys who are on the Internet and they're hacking into people's websites and they're hacking into servers and they're hacking into people's personal accounts. I think, what if these guys use that ability? I mean, that's amazing to me that they can do stuff like that. What if they use that for good instead of for evil? They could make a good living, wouldn't you think? Does your mind do that when you see that happen? I do. When people are involved in companies, and slowly but surely they get themselves enmeshed, and they begin to embezzle, or they get in trouble, or the company begins to go down, I think, why didn't they just work for the good of the company? They would have made a good living, a good buck. Why didn't they do that? They obviously worked hard to get to where they got. And we are inundated with knowledge. But unfortunately, a lot of the, a lot of the knowledge that's out there is, is knowledge that is not about knowing the one who is the source of knowledge. Because He is the source of knowledge. He's the one that created us. He's the one that desires that our minds would be transformed. He's the one that wants us to be filled with the knowledge and love of Him. And yet so much of knowledge that we focus on in the world today has nothing to do with Him. And sometimes that knowledge will get us ahead in this world. But the knowledge that we have for this world is all temporary and temporal. We strive after and we want to know. Think about how many things we want to know. And what we want to know about other people. And what we want to know about the news. And how much time we invest and spend on that. Instant messaging, Facebook. Right? People want to know. So, so they stay connected. The news, we want to know what's going on in the stock market. We want to know what's going on in our favorite sports team. And we want to know what's going on with the latest trial if you watch CNN headline news. Started with OJ. And how many people want to know and have to know and are connected to the world and to the news and to their computer and to their iPhone? Because they want to know. See, much of that news that we're seeking, much of that knowledge that we're seeking, isn't lasting. God wants us to know, too. Notice what Paul goes on to write. Knowledge of His will that leads to wisdom and understanding. In other words, this knowledge that God wants us to have is knowledge that's going to change our lives because it's His will. It's what works best for us. 
It's wisdom. It's, it's the knowledge of God and His Word applied to our lives. It's understanding. We understand Him and we understand why He's calling us to this life. See, because God's knowledge is also about the practical life, practical living. How we love more effectively. How we do relationships. How we live a healthy, moral life. Because God cares about all that. So the knowledge that we need to be seeking is the knowledge of Him. The knowledge that leads to wisdom. The knowledge that leads to understanding. The knowledge that changes our lives so that, as Paul goes on to write, we would live worthy lives. Worthy lives. You know, I've asked this question before, and I ask it of myself from time to time. But are, you, are what you're living for worth Jesus dying for? That's the question. What are you living for? What are you striving after every day? What's the goal of your life? How does that manifest itself in your life? And is it worth Jesus dying for? We say that He is worthy. Over and over again in Scripture, Scripture talks about how He is worthy. And we become worthy through Him. That through his death on the cross, we who are sinners become worthy before the Father. We who fall short, we who are weak, because of his righteousness, we become his righteousness. There's a number of passages in Scripture that talk about his worthiness and how that's to become ours. But let me read to you from Revelation. This is Revelation, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 5. Then I saw on the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep bitterly. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So he can open the scroll and its seven seals. That's Jesus Christ. The seven seals, the key to eternity. He is worthy to open the way for us because he sacrificed himself on the cross for us. And we are covered by his blood, so we are pure. And we become worthy. So we are called, because of that, to live this worthy life. Paul writes in another place, Ephesians chapter 4, let me read it to you. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That passage is worth pondering. Last year we spent the whole year on vestry, pondering that passage. What does it mean to lead a worthy life? Because we are called to be worthy as He is worthy. This life that's worth His life on the cross, 
for us. And we can't do it in and of ourselves, which is why we need His forgiveness, His redemption, His cross. And then we have access to the Holy Spirit, and He, the Holy Spirit, as we give ourselves to Him more and more, can make us worthy. Can give us the power to live effectively and love effectively in this life. You know, once again, going back to the early church, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, Wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you might have power. And then you get to Acts chapter 2, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And in that day, one day, 3,000 are converted. And the Lord begins to move in His church. And His power begins to move in the church. Because they sought to live worthy lives. And it's His power that enables that. It's His power that makes us strong. And, and the early church, it's not that they were perfect. There's no generation of Christian, no Christian, that has ever been perfect. What drew people to the early church was the fact that that power so invaded lives that they became a loving community, a compassionate community, a community that cared enough to reach out to other people, a community that lived in community and showed that to the world, that we can be different. We can't do it in and of ourselves. And that's why Paul goes on to write that you might be made strong. That you might be made strong. Going back to the AT&T commercial, you know, if he asked to quit the kids, what do you think they would say? Would you rather be strong or weak? Strong. Of course. But the only way that we can be, become strong like this to live the worthy life, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12. For when I'm weak, I'm strong, because in my weakness I cry out to the Lord. And I say, I can't do this. I can't love like this. I can't live effectively like this. I'm tempted, tempted by the world, tempted to compromise, tempted to be selfish. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your grace. So we're made strong through Him. And Paul talks about three gifts that come from this strength working in us and through us. He talks about endurance. And my mind immediately goes to Romans chapter 5. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through Jesus Christ. So we have endurance to deal with whatever comes our way, any challenges that come in the world, any pain, any suffering. We're able to endure. The second thing he talks about, the second gift, is patience. Love is patient, not always my strong suit. But as I grow in him, part of this power enables me to become a more patient person, at least on and off. I'm getting better sometimes. But it's the first description of love. As His love grows in us, we become more patient. And joy. Who doesn't want to be joyful? Earlier I asked the question about being filled. 
Wouldn't you love your home to be filled with laughter and joy? Your heart to be filled with joy. Much like your tummies are filled at Thanksgiving. That kind of joy that overflows. See, that's the three gifts that He wants for us. That as we grow strong in Him, we are able to live into. And then He goes on to contrast this light and darkness. The people that live in darkness are not able to do that. They stumble. They fall. They can't see. That it's God's light as we live in His light constantly. Unceasing prayer in His Word. That we're able to be guided by the light. That we live in His glory. We live with His power. We live with the revelation of Himself and His Word and His will for our lives. And empowered by the Spirit, we're able to live it. This worthy life. Why? How? He says, because you've been redeemed and forgiven. Redeemed means paying a ransom. It's a ransom we could not pay. It's Jesus' death on the cross for us. That we're forgiven. We do not have to be weighed down by guilt and shame. Or the challenges of this world, we can be released. And we can live with His power because we've been forgiven. And then we can live that redeemed life, that worthy life, and offer that forgiveness to other people. That's His desire for us. That's what it means to be strong. You know, in this age of information, the information age in which we live, we are so tied into the world. We constantly want to know. I alluded to that earlier. We're either connected to the radio or the television or the computer or to our telephones and instant messaging and Facebook. You know, I live with a family where everybody has an iPhone. And it's amazing to me when they have it on, you know, the the Facebook and the instant messaging, the thing, it's like you could hook up something to it and give yourself a massage because it vibrates so much. You hear it on the table. I have a flip phone. And I'm not ashamed of my flip phone. Why? Because our desire to know. Our desire to stay connected. And the question is, do we have that same desire with the Lord? Because so much of what we try to stay into really is non-essential. And sometimes it's self-defeating. And sometimes it's just plain noise. And sometimes it takes us away from being connected to Him. And we go down a path that we really don't want to. You know, we're looking for excitement. We're looking for fulfillment. And I think one of the reasons why we're so tied into all these things is because so much of life is routine. 
I mean, everybody goes through highs and lows and ups and downs. Everybody. And when we go through the lows, we need the Lord especially. And when we're in the highs, sometimes we're thankful and we're even praising Him, and sometimes we forget about Him. But what happens in the routine and the day-to-day life is we grow complacent. And slowly but surely we get sucked into the world. And we do everything the world's way. And we have to know the world's truths. The world's way to live. And we have to be so, so careful. Because we can drift from Him. In the midst of the day, the day today, the Lord wants us to stay connected to Him. To not grow complacent. How many Christians in their life stop growing? They just stop. For one reason or another, one excuse or another. You know, once we arrive at confirmation, we've arrived. We know it all. We don't need to keep going. Or, you know, Sunday school is for kids. It's not for me. We make all kinds of excuses. You know, serving the Lord and serving other people. Been there, done that. Let other people do it. You know, why is it in so many areas of life we seek to continue to grow? We continue to strive. How many people in here are saying to themselves subtly or overtly, my goal in life is to have a stagnant marriage? Or my goal in life is to have a stagnant career where I slowly make less income. And yet that's where so many people are in their relationship with the Lord. It's stagnant. It's not growing. It may even be in decline. And what God is looking for is for us to be as committed to Him as He is to us. Is what you're living for worth Him dying for? That he wants people of commitment. And that commitment is reflected first and foremost by passion. Do you have a passion? Because whatever you have a passion for in life, you will pursue. Do you have a passion for him? Do you have a passion for living with his love? Living, with a, living a worthy life and reflecting his holiness in your life? Because he wants us to have passion. That will reflect commitment. And he wants us to have constant growth. Where we're seeking to grow in the knowledge and love of him constantly. We're seeking to grow in that fullness of the Spirit constantly. Because we leak. Because we become empty. Because we need him.
wants us to be filled with His Spirit. The power to live effectively in this life. He wants us to know His love and His joy. And it means walking with Him day by day. Being committed to Him with passion and for growth day by day. Do you want to live a worthy life? Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, so often we get slowly drawn into the world and we acquiesce and become complacent. That our faith and our walk with you become an inconvenience instead of our focus. We so often go out into the world on low or on empty without being filled with your spirit. Lord, I pray this day for those here that really have never known you. The gift of your cross, the power of redemption and forgiveness, and the filling of your spirit. That they would give themselves to you this day. And Lord, for those who have grown complacent, that you would give them your Holy Spirit and fill them with passion. That their commitment would be renewed. For those who have grown stagnant, Lord, that you would ignite them. That they would seek to grow constantly. And for all of us here, Lord, pour out your Spirit on us so that we might be full. Filled with your Spirit so that we might live an empowered life. A life committed to holiness and to loving with your love. Lord, give us your Spirit. Give us the passion to live a worthy life. And we pray this in Jesus' name.